here to encourage you. Listen, come on. God wants to show off in your situation right now. He wants to let you know that he's got it covered, that he hasn't lost a battle. He's not going to start now. Look at somebody and say, God's got your back. Look at the other person and say, you win too. We are having a great day today so far. Listen to me. We, we've had 10 people already give their life to Christ this morning. 10 people say yes to coming into the kingdom of God. Full on. And uh, that's been amazing. We um, had a story uh, from two weeks ago. A young man who was an atheist came to church here and uh, was invited by someone from our church and decided to come check it out. Didn't believe in God, came into the presence of God, came into the power of God, and uh, surrendered his life to Jesus Christ, was surrounded by family here, took a Holy Spirit book with him, went home with the Holy Spirit book, began to read it, started praying in tongues in his bedroom. Nobody touched him, nobody laid hands on him. Holy Spirit hit him, the power of God started moving in his life, and then uh, got connected into the connect groups, and they're and praying for freedom for him and other people now. An atheist, from, from an atheist to a, to a, to a tongue-talking, you know, powerful Christian in, in a couple weeks. Come on, somebody. I had two couples come up to me after a couple after second service and grab the Holy Spirit book telling me stories about the church they go to. It's a missions week and some missionaries came in from the field, uh, uh, from the mission field and were meeting with a family, a host family, talking about missions and started telling them about the power of God moving on the mission field and the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit and all that. And the, the family over there at the, the Presbyterian church said, said uh, could you teach us how to do that? Missionary said, yes, I can. Let me pray for you in the Holy Spirit. God, God wiped out that house and hit them with the power of God. And they're like, what? what's going on? You know, just God's on the move, people. And I'm so proud of our church. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of your hunger and your heart for the things of God and open to let God work in you and through you. I'm just so proud. I'm so grateful to be your pastor and to, to watch the life change and the, and the things that God's doing in our midst. After last week, when I shared on, on the word in La Familia on sexual purity, last week I shared a verse and talked about run from sexual immorality and talk, preached and taught on that. Had people DM me on Instagram. I had one guy say, I've never walked in abstinence, but the Holy Spirit's put it on my heart and I'm walking in abstinence now and I'm gonna do this thing the right way. I was like, come on, Jesus. I just, I just want to say uh, transformation is what's happening. And so that's what you're a part of. And I, I would just say this as well. Uh, if you're comfortable never changing, you probably won't be comfortable here. Because we, we we're let the Holy Spirit have access. And we, we don't do it, but He does it. And so I just want to encourage you. We're not a, we're not a cruise ship. If we were, we'd be quarantined right now. <laughs> that too soon? I tell, listen, I'm going to preach that. That's how, some, that's how some Christians live. Quarantine on a cruise ship. When's the buffet? How comfortable is it? I don't like the music. Can I get a different room? Can I do, get a different entertainment? Can I get a, can I get a different comedian? <laughs> what cruise ship are we on? This is a warship. This ain't no cruise ship. We're loud. We're rowdy. We're strong. The kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. It's Transformation Church Sunday. We, we, there's a, some numbers on your seat. It's just numbers. But let me just say this. It's not, it's not about the number. It's about the name. It's about the story. Every, every name has a story. And uh, I would encourage you in the lobby, we have our 
little one wall up. Maybe you could share one thing that God's done in your life, one, one transformation he's done since you've been here. You have a story and, and we need it. We need to hear it. We need to know it. I need it. You need it. People need to hear your story. And so I'd love you to put that out there. We're going to share some of those stories. I'm going to start a new series today. But before I do, I want you to see this transformation, this one story real quick of transformation from one of our family members here. Uh, my name is Renee Pothier. I started going to Transformation Church about two and a half years ago when I moved up from South Carolina. So I was diagnosed with a physical disability at age seven. Um, and coming, reconnecting back with God, um, I felt like He's cured me um, from that physical disability. Um, this past year, all my lab work has shown the muscle masses have increased when they're supposed to go the opposite way. Um, and this is the strongest I've ever been in my life, and I'm supposed to be progressing towards a wheelchair right now, and I'm not. I was very burdened. I, uh, I was saved when I was young, but I walked away from God for a couple of years when I was going through a lot of anger. Um, and I went through physical abuse, and because I didn't deal with the abuse, I went through, became addicted to alcohol. And life was miserable before coming back to God. Um, I didn't have any joy in my life. I didn't like who I was. I didn't find any freedom in what I did. I didn't find any happiness in where I was at. Uh, since going through Freedom Group and fighting freedom, um, and uh, I just have joy now. Um, at my lowest point, I was depressed, suicidal. Um, I felt abused, I felt unworthy. I love where I'm at. I'm very happy with my life, very joyous, I'm free light. I don't feel burdened. Um, happy. I feel like I'm, I'm wanted. Needed. Um, since then, uh, God has done a lot in my life. I've found freedom in many areas and lots of chains broken off. Um, just this past year, I found freedom in knowing who I am ultimately. Um, understanding that I'm a daughter of Christ and that I'm worthy of my salvation. Um, found self-esteem. Um, uh, depression is no longer in my life. God has broken that off. It's a family here. Um, I, I have great friends. I have people who I can rely on, and people who can point me back to God and say when I'm, you know, stepping out when I'm not supposed to, they can correct me. I have that accountability and. I see that as family. I see them as my brothers in Christ here. One advice I would give is join a freedom group or a connect group where you can get connected with people who can help you uh, build your relationship with God. And, and these groups will help you heal mentally, physically, and emotionally. Come on, isn't that awesome? <laughs> Renee's right here on the front. She is family. You are family. She said, I feel wanted. I feel wanted here. She said, depression's not my life. I'm a daughter of God. Come on, I'm so proud of you. Uh, this girl drives, a, what, what kind of motorcycle do you drive? What is that thing you drive? A Can-Am Riker, a, three, a three-wheel, cool, fun-looking thing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, she pulls up on that thing. I, like, listen, I mean, to see the freedom and the life that she has and where her heart has come from being here, and just me knowing her for a couple years and seeing what God's done, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And, and she's bold. And her story doesn't, is, doesn't have to be unique to her. Her story can be all of our story. And she is part of our family. And, and, and she knows this. We surprised her first service, but we're transforming a month of her life and paying her mortgage this, this entire month because she's been... Just because 
just because she, you know, how bold and how brave she is. So we want to transform. Jesus has transformed your life. We're going to transform a month. Okay. Is that all right? And, uh, and so we're, we're happy and excited about what God's doing. He's already done so many things today. I want to share, um, we're going to start a series called prodigals. Um, been planning this uh, since January. We planned all of our series in January. And so uh, prodigals, just the thought of prodigals, it's important. I want to do this in March leading up to Easter because I think this is a time when Lent hits and we're coming up to Easter and all those type of things where people are aware of spirituality. They're aware of God. Uh, many people, I think 90%, 80 or 90% will say yes to an Easter invite or a Christmas invite. And so prodigals, there's people we need to believe and bring back to the house of God, back to the things of God. And so I want to believe with you and bring with you and believe that for Easter and, and filling this place up, but, but that God wants to bring us back to his heart somehow in some ways, in some areas of our life. Even if we're children of God and we're, we're, we're in the house of God in, in a certain way, there's things God wants to bring back, and I'm going to share that today. And, and here's what we think sometimes when we hear prodigal son, we think someone that goes out away from God and lives like hell, lives in horrific sin, and then comes back to the Father. It doesn't necessarily mean that. It can even just simply mean wasteful living. Just wasteful living. Prodigal is wasteful. And so there's many areas in our life sometimes that we uh, stray from God in and waste those things that God wants to actually restore back to us. And so I'm going to jump into Luke 15. This story, Jesus is um, doubling down on a, on, on a parable <clears throat> to the tax collectors about tax collectors <clears throat> and the sinners he's eating with. The Pharisees are ridiculing him and complaining that he actually eats and receives tax collectors and sinners. And they start ridiculing him and saying, I can't believe you receive and eat with them. And, and there's, a, there's a kind of an Eastern mysticism over a meal that you exchange like some DNA or exchange something of your spirit, right? Or your soul. So there's like this, this in the Eastern culture to eat together meant like I exchange being with you. Like I accept you, right? And so they're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a power in a meal. Jesus, you can't eat with them like that. And so Jesus says this parable and he tells us and it says, so he tells us the parable and then he tells three stories. We always think it's three parables. It's one parable, three aspects. He tells the story of the, of the 99 or 100 sheep and the one lost sheep. And it says the, this man goes out and finds the sheep. He goes after the one. Do you know, how, have you ever seen sheep hunting? Like, like they, it's, I know a pastor that went to find a sheep. It takes sometimes a month, two months it took him to find a sheep. Two trips, two helicopter drop-offs, and $50,000 later to hunt and kill one sheep in Alaska. Like, like, the, like tracking it and risking your life and climbing gullies and crevices and going over ice fields and all to, find, to get to a sheep. And maybe you find one. He didn't the first time. Dropped in by a helicopter the second time. Found the sheep and killed it, right? Here it says that this shepherd does that. Goes, takes his own money, his own resources, his, risks his own life, finds the sheep, the one lost one, and comes back rejoicing. That's Jesus. That's the good shepherd. It's showing the picture of God's heart to come after our waywardness or when we're wandering to, to use his life and put his life at risk at the cross like he did and then find us and come back rejoicing. Isn't it cool? He comes back rejoicing. When my dog goes wayward, I do not bring it back rejoicing. I bring it back dragging like, you bad girl, you dumb dog. I tighten the collar up a little bit on her neck to let her know. She's, you know, don't put, turn me into PETA, okay? I just let her, I just let her know this was wrong. You know, don't run, you know? And, and so Jesus, thank God. Aren't you thankful that he doesn't treat us that way? He comes back, I found you, risked my life, took 50,000 and two helicopter jumps, but I got you. Woo! That's Jesus. The second story he tells is the woman with 10 coins that loses one coin. She lights a light, searches the house, sweeps the house to find the coin. It was a sentimental coin. It was a coin for dowry, and so she had lost one. She begins to search the whole house. She finds the coin. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. 
The illumination of the Holy Spirit searching our life, searching our house, figuring out and finding what we lost, what we've left behind to bring it back to our heart and bring it back to our life. Holy Spirit. And then he tells the story about the prodigal who leaves home and the father has this open embrace at his house out looking for the son every day. The son gets up out of the pig slop and comes back home still in a mess and the father embraces him. Talking about the heart of God to embrace sons and daughters, embrace his kids no matter what they're in or where they're walking or the mess that they're in. The heart of God. This story, this parable, this three-part parable is showing us that God has an obsession with lost stuff. An obsession with things that we've left behind and we've lost. And then he wants to restore them to us fully by the power of the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit. They're all working together to to bring us back and to restore things in our life. And so I'm going to pick up in chapter 15, verse 11. And this is the story of the father and the son and the older brother and the citizen from a far off country. Four, Four characters and there's one hidden character in the story and I'm going to share him and And this, I'm not going to get into the older brother. I'm just going to stop at the end of the interaction between the father and the younger son. It says this in verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. Many think that he just gave it to the son, the younger son. He divided it to both sons. He divided to them his livelihood. The older son got half or double portion, and the younger son got his portion. So It wasn't just a younger son thing at this moment. He divided it to them. They both get the money. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, one translation says, when he had wasted his substance, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into his fields to feed swine. And, when he, he would, and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him any. But when he came to himself, come on, aren't you thankful that sometimes you get back in your right mind? So some of y'all are blaming demons and devils and friends and bosses and people that you, it's your own bad decisions. Come on, when he came to himself. When he made a decision to to decide that this is enough, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, and now he begins to rehearse this speech to his dad. He's nervous. What's it going to mean to come home to dad, to come back to church? How many of us do that? We rehearse. What's it going to, how are they going to accept me? Am I going to be one? And what's it? And we have these dialogues and he begins to make this dialogue for I've sinned and I'll say to him and I've sinned before heaven and before you and I'm not worthy to be called your son any longer. Do you know that sonship is based on birth, not behavior? So many times you think you messed up and, and you're not even worthy to be God's son or you're not worthy and, and, and you've, 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 you've come to Christ and you're a child of God, but you blow it and, like, and the, the enemy just says you're not worthy. It's about being born again, not your behavior. Our behavior changes by the power of the Holy Spirit, but you're a son, you're a daughter. And he's rehearsing this speech. He's like, I'm not even worthy. He says, make me like one of your hired servants. Do you know that sons are never servants and servants are never sons? Listen to me, we're sons and daughters who serve, but we are not servants. We're friends, we're sons. We're sons in the house. Now, our calling is servanthood, but not our condition. Does that make sense? He says, I'll just be one of your servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and 
fell on his neck and kissed him. Come on. No, men didn't run in those days with sandals. They wore sandals. You ever see somebody running flip-flops? <laughs> man, I'm a grown man. I can't even walk in chacos. You know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't I mean, he, you don't run. He runs. He throws his dignity aside. He throws all that and runs and, and kisses this young man. And the son began to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Look what the dad does. He doesn't even, he ignores it. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. and Let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and is alive. <clears throat> he was lost and he's found. And they began to throw a giant party in church. Joel chapter 2, 2 through 14, real quick, Old Testament, it says this. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. With fasting and weeping and mourning, rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Many of you don't know this God. This is an Old Testament verse, but you don't know this God that's slow to anger and multi, full of mercy and compassion, that, that he relents and doesn't cause harm. Listen to this. Many of you think that God's doing all these things to you when you mess up. He says that he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may, he may turn and relent and leave a blessing behind. It's like when you turn to him, who knows? It says maybe it's, it's a grain offering and drink offerings. Many believe that's communion. Who knows, maybe he leaves a blessing as his son goes to a cross and he leaves us communion for the Lord our God. Return to the, the Lord and he's gracious and compassionate. My title for today is this, Return Policy. Return Policy. Pray with me real quick. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you would open our hearts to your word. I pray that I could speak it. Lord, use your word. Let it actually do what it's meant to do. God, restore to us anything we've lost in our living. In Jesus' name, amen. Return policy. How many of you know, and I've said it before, how, uh, that, you, that, that I hate, and how many of you hate extreme hard return policies? Kind of just policies that do not make it easy for you to return something. Ever gone somewhere, you've got the receipt, you've got what you, you need, you know you've purchased it, it's in the original packaging, you've just opened it a little bit, you go to take it back, and they're like, we're well, sorry, sir, you had a four-hour window to return that. <laughs> You're like... Uh, no, or 10 day window. There's a lot of 10 day windows out there. It was 10 days. And, you, and I'm like, okay, I'm in the 10 day window. They're like, you're right. This is nine days. We would need a photo ID. I'm like, uh, uh, I just got receipt. We need a passport. I don't, I don't know. It's like the, D, the DMV. You know how hard it is at the DMV? I mean, I call the DMV before I go there. I plan it like it's a vacation. I ask them, what documents do I need? What I go on uh, Tennessee.gov. I look at all the documents. I figure I've got it. I'm covered. I walk in. I get the money. I, it, without, uh, without fail, every time, sorry, sir, you don't have your name on the water bill. I'm like, my wife's name's on the water bill. Why do I need a water bill? I'm getting a driver's license. You need a W-2. You need a bank statement. You need, it's just this, this hard policy returning things shouldn't be that hard so i researched some good easy crazy easy return policies costco has some crazy easy return policies here's some here's some true returns where they got all their money back from costco second service somebody was getting the holy ghost over here when i was talking about costco they're like come on you know uh a woman returns a dead christmas tree in mid-january in la in 2018 and gets a full return Come on, check it out. We got it on, on, on the screen for you. Boom. Someone took a picture of her in there and put it on Facebook. They, blocked, they asked her, why are you returning? She said, because it's dead. She got all her money back. A lady returned an empty bottle of wine. They gave her money back. They said, why are you returning? She said, it gave me a headache. 
That's what happens when you chug it in 30 seconds. You're meant to sip it, you know. <laughs> she gave me a headache. Someone bought a used chicken coop or a chicken coop online, and return, a year later, it had chicken poop all over it, and they returned the chicken coop, they, they, and, and Costco gave them a full refund on the chicken coop. Some of y'all are getting ideas right now. You're like, oh, my God. A, a lady returned an old 13-year-old pack of fish from her freezer. Found a pack of fish. Come on, that's Y2K right there. Dug out the Y2K fish. Said, it's no good any longer. Oh, can you imagine what that looked like? Took that to Costco. They said, we're not going to return it. She said, I'll call corporate. They gave her a full return on her, on her, on her money. Somebody bought a $200 vacuum-packed ribeye steak for the holidays. Ate it and returned the bones and fat in the bag. That's real. And gave them, it was worth 13 cents the bo- in the weight for the bones and fat. And they got $200 back for the return from the holiday. Come on, y'all, don't, don't get any holiday ideas. Y'all are like, to write stuff for your Christmas tree and your dinner. It's paid for. Come on, Costco. We love you in Jesus' name. Tar- Target, Target, their, their return policy. It's a good return policy. 90 days, you get to return something. 90 days, that's awesome, right? And then you get an extra 30 days if you use the red card, their red card. That's beautiful, 120 days. But it even gets better. If you go on their return policy website and there's a little caveat, a little clause for the 90-day return policy, if it's a Target brand, if they own it, they back it and they'll give you a year to return it. Get a whole year, somebody, with Target. You bring that thing back if it's their brand, if they own it because they stand behind their brand. Here's what I want you to know. God is a whole lot more like Costco and Target than he is the DMV. He's not making it hard. It's an easy return policy. It's a a scandalous return policy with God. If you've wasted some things in your life, if you've lived certain ways and wasted some things, if you feel like a bag of bones up in here, if you feel like a used bottle of wine with a headache and you don't want the heartache, God said, I'll take it back. If you feel like an old dead Christmas tree with no holiday cheer in your life anymore, God says, I'll take it back. He says, you haven't done too much. You haven't gone too far. You haven't messed up too bad. This prodigal son, he's messed up. He's in the pig pen. He's a son. He gets out of the pig pen and he comes back to the father. And the father says, if you're a son or daughter, you can come home anytime. My arms are wide open. I'm here to embrace you. I'm here to embrace you. The kid still had the stench of the pig pen on him. And God said, I'm here to embrace you. He runs after him. The story has four main characters. The father, the two sons, the man that he attached himself to in tough times and ended up in his pig pen. And then there's a silent character. And that's who I want to kind of talk about and how he tricks us sometimes. There's a silent character called Satan who's always whispering in the text of our stories. In the journey of our life, he's always speaking to us, trying to get us to do certain things. And Satan begins to whisper to this young man, and he actually goes to his father and asks for his money and the inheritance. He wasn't greedy. Many people said he was greedy, he wanted stuff. He wasn't greedy. Here's why I know that. He had everything. He had cooks, he had chefs, he had, he had, he had shepherds, he had servants. He, he, it wasn't like getting the money was going to change his life. He, he wasn't greedy. He asked for the money, he gets the money, the older brother gets the money, the older brother stays in the house, the younger brother, the Bible says, gets restless after a couple days, takes his money and leaves. And this is where the enemy begins to work in his life as he goes out from there. I, I call it the... The doctrine of Balaam. There's a doctrine in the Bible, and I'm going to teach you for a minute. It's called the doctrine of Balaam. It's in Revelation. Jesus mentions it. It's in the Old Testament. If you know the story of Balaam and Balak, there's somebody named Balak that wanted to curse God's kids. 
He wanted to put a curse on the blessed kids of God, right? And so Balak hires a guy named Balaam, who's a sorcerer conjurer, and he hires him for money, and he goes and says, Balaam, would you please curse God's kids? Balaam comes up to this mountaintop, looks at God's kids, and says, I can only do what God tells me. And he says, I can't curse them because God has blessed them. And, and Balaam gets mad and says, okay, well, come, up, come over here and look at them from this perspective. And, 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 and so he looks at him from this other perspective and he says, again, I can't do what God doesn't say. I can't curse him because God has blessed him. So the enemy, Balak, takes him to the third time to this area at the back of the camp. They travel. There's about three million people, two to three million people. They're traveling and all the trash and all the refuse is in the back of the line because they're smart and they don't want all the disgusting stuff throughout the camp. So they carry it in the back of the line. So there's this actual perspective of all the trash. So Balak says, Balaam, look at him from this perspective of all the trash and mess. Come on. How many times does the enemy try to get, get us cursed from the perspective of our trash and mess in our life? And, and even as Balaam looks at him from that mess and that trash area, he says, I can't bless them because I can't curse them because God has blessed them. So, so what I want you to hear today is this. It's very important for you to get. Hell cannot curse what heaven has blessed. You are, you are blessed by heaven and hell cannot curse you. Come on, anybody understand the blessing of God in here? Not money, not stuff, like deep, intrinsic hand of God, blessing of God, power of God. Been through adversity, been through trial, come out the other side. The blessing of God. If you have that in your life, hell cannot curse you. Anybody been through hell and been blessed all along the way? Come on, give God praise if you've been through hell and been blessed along the way. Just for a second, give a little five-second praise break. If you've come out the other side, you've got the power of God. No weapon formed against you can prosper. And here's why it's important for you to know in this story. Satan can't curse you. He can only get you to curse yourself. So, so the fact that you're blessed means you can only curse yourself. Satan knows he can't curse you. How do we curse ourselves? With our mouths. With our, with, our, with our words, with our actions sometimes, with our decisions. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Satan could not throw Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. Could not do it. Could not do it. They, he didn't own the garden. He was a slithery serpent in the garden. He comes up to Eve and Adam. He begins to trick them. He speaks to Eve. He whispers in her ear, you can be like God. She goes and she eats from a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hear me. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Information. The other tree is the tree of life. Revelation. When you bring a curse on yourself, it's when you try to live from information without divine revelation. When you decide to eat from information, do it your own way, with your own understanding, apart from God's word and God's revelation, now all of a sudden, the enemy gets you cursing yourself. The minute that they ate, the blessing of God fell off their life, division hit their family, murder hit their family, all these things began to hit their family, they got thrown out of the house. What Satan is doing to this young man and is doing to the church so often is whispering in our ear to get us to leave the house on our own so that we come out from the place of protection and the place that God has for us. The house is the place of protection. It's the place, and, and here's the number one way he does it. The enemy sends an independent spirit. An independent spirit. This young man had money. He was blessed. You're blessed. I'm blessed. We're blessed. He, what did he want? He didn't want money. He wanted to control the money. He, he didn't want more riches. He wanted to decide what he got to do with them. He wanted to control his future. He wanted to call the shots. He wanted to say how he was going to live, how it was an independent spirit. Hear me, you know if you're fighting an independent spirit when you want the assets without the accountability. Or, or when you want the benefits without the boss. Come on, anybody? 
Like, well, I'm going to leave that job. I'm going to take my benefits with me. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, the, the house. And so Satan is whispering to get this guy to say no when God's one in a yes. He wants to go out and say no to God. I, I got three kids. And as I grew and they grew and we, we raised them, I was trying to be the dad that always said yes to them. And I told them their mother always says no. I, I trained them. It didn't help my marriage. But I'm the yes. <laughs> You want a yes, come to dad. I'm not fully being, you know, this is for preaching. Okay. <laughs> kind of. And, uh, and so they come to dad, and it's yes, and I want to bless you, and they're growing up. But they began to learn the word no as they were little. No, no, no. I'm like, yes, we're going to do it. No, 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 no. Come on, anybody got kids? No. And it's so cute. Look at it. No, she said no. She said no. Did you hear that little attitude? No. And then it was really cute for a while. And then they began to grow, and the no began to need to be trained. And, hey, I'm going to need you to say yes, and then I hope one day I'm not going to force you to say yes, but I hope we have enough relationship that one day you'll want to match your yes to my yes, and we'll get to mature and grow together and be in a relationship, and you'll have some power over my stuff, and you're in my home, and, and, and you'll get my inheritance, and it's a yes and a yes, and let's go. But they would still say no, and they're teenagers now, and there's no, but I know in my heart as they mature and grow, if they want what I have and they want to mature, they're going to have to match their yes to my yes. I think God a lot of times looks at our no and he's like, that's so cute. <laughs> that's just so cute, you know. He didn't get all worked up about it. Like I think I didn't get worked up about my little kids, but I think there's a point in time he's saying where if you're going to grow and you want to mature and you want to walk with me and you want to have life my way and you want to walk with God, you're going to have to make your yes match my yes. There's going to be a point in time when you got to say, you know, I don't want an independent spirit any longer. I just actually want God's yes in my life. Does that make sense? Quit allowing the devil to, to trick you and get you into this independent spirit place. you got to just say, you know what? I surrender. I say, yes, God. The enemy will send defense and control and pride and religion and greed and comparison and competition and restlessness. Come on. We have a generation of people that are restless. This young man got restless, got his stuff and got restless. We, we're in church. We got it great. We have got it great. We're blessed. And we're like, what's next? What's more? What's mine? What's next? What's more? What's mine? What's next? You know the face app that, that showed you yourself in like 50 years? Remember that? Do you know it would show you younger self as well? I didn't know that. Like it shows both. You know, no one ever posted a picture of their younger self. Why? Because we've already been there. We know that. Because we want to control the future. We want to know what's next. We want to know what's more. We want to know what's going to look like later on. Why can't we just decide to say yes today? Like right now, God, yes. Whatever you're dealing with in this moment. I don't need to be independent of you, God. I'm just going to say yes. I'm not going to be restless. I'm not going to run. Listen to me. Don't run from your marriage. Restless spirit will cause you to run. You think all the deficiency in their personality are going to make you run? No, they're not. God put their deficiencies and your deficiencies together because he looked at them and he said, it is not good for you to be alone. And that was the solution for your not-goodism. That's not, that's, I'm preach that. I got some not-goodism I needed help with. And, and, and don't run from your ministries. And don't run from your mission. Because the enemy wants to get you out there. Why? Because he wants you to get out from the place of protection and the house's protection and provision and power and purpose. And I just want my 16-year-old right now, it's been, he's about eight months, I think he's been 16, six months, eight months, somewhere in there. And, and he, he, at the end of 15, right turning 16, man, I asked him permission to tell this story. It was a battle. 
And we're still in it, like 16, like ready to take on the world, right? 16, ready to have freedom. In two years, he's got full freedom. So the tension and the frustration and the pull of that 16-year-old and, 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 the, and the tension of his parents and us trying to figure out how much freedom to give him, but he's not fully ready. And, and sometimes that goes to frustration and sometimes it goes to anger and, and trying to figure out how to get free and he wants free. And I'm like, what do we do? And, and so in the home, we're trying to figure that out and he's ready and we're trying to train him. So he went a couple months ago and, and, and researched Tennessee law on emancipation. He's like, I'm ready. I need you. You need to emancipate me. I'm like, oh, really? You ready? I was like, how are you going to buy food? How are you going? Where you going? He's like, I'm going to go live in an apartment. I'm going to go to Bearden. I'm going to ride the bus back and forth. I don't need a car. I'll ride a bus back and forth from my apartment to Bearden High School. And I'll eat at my apartment. I don't need, I just need protein shakes. That's all I need. <laughs> you, the thing, I think he was kidding somewhat. This was part of reality. This is why he's not quite ready for freedom. And I was like, really? I said, how are you going to pay for that? He's like, you're going to pay for it. He's like, he goes, this is what you do. He goes, take the money you're spending on Christian education because I'd rather go to Bearden and use that money and rent my apartment and pay for my food. And I was like, oh, you want my money now. I was like, the Bible says he who's free is free indeed, Sako. You got to pay yourself. That's Bible. <laughs> how often do we want emancipated from the will of God and the word of God? And I'm just going to do it on my own, God, and I can just handle it. And, God's saying, no, 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 no. Come on, quit running. You're in a place of protection. You're in a place of provision. This young man runs. And then once you begin to run independently, this is what happens. The second thing he sends, and you might not even recognize it, he sends an insecure spirit. Man, we would never thought that young man was insecure. He's out there partying. He's backing it up in the club, dropping it, popping it. He's getting it. He's having a great time. Never would have looked like, like he's insecure. What's he doing? <laughs> he like that, Chris. What's he doing? He, he's trying... He's trying to find identity apart from the Father. He's insecure. He's trying to figure out who he is apart from the Father. There's insecurity. He doesn't even, he's wasting everything. The Bible says he's killing and draining his substance, not just his money, his body, his vitality, his life is coming out of him. And he's in a place of insecurity. He would think, oh, I'm confident. I'm not insecure. I'm fine. Well, well here's the definition I wrote down of insecurity. Value plus vulnerability equals insecurity. Let me explain it this way. If you have something of value and it becomes vulnerable, then you begin to immediately try to protect it because you feel insecure about it. As a guy, let me put it this way. If I'm walking around town or out somewhere, I always reach for my wallet. I always grab to see if my wallet's there. I always touch. It's my wallet, my wallet, my wallet. Why? Because it's valuable and it's vulnerable. I'm, I'm walking. And if, it, if I'm in a real area that I don't know, I'll move my wallet to my front pocket. Come on, any guys? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You, you grab your wallet, grab your wallet, right? Insecure. Valuable but vulnerable, so insecure. If I'm camping with my family, I'm so insecure because I'm in a little cloth tent in the middle of the woods with strangers that is an axe murderer out there somewhere. I know. <laughs> I've watched a lot of movies. You, and, and the sign going into the state park says you cannot bring your gun. You cannot bring your weapon. That's a bad idea because there's an axe murderer in the woods somewhere. I'm very insecure because I have all my valuables of my family and I'm very vulnerable in a cloth tent that I can't see what's coming. If I go out to eat, I like to sit with my, wall, my back to the wall. I don't like to be in front, around windows. I like to see you coming if you're going to kill me. I like to see that. <laughs> I am trained. I can fight you. We'll do something. You know, something will go down, but at least I know it was coming. At least I gave myself a chance. Value, vulnerable, insecure. Do you know that I don't do any of that in my house? I lost, can't find my wallet. Oh, it's fine. I'll find it tomorrow. Where is it? I hadn't seen it. I don't, oh, okay, it's fine. I'll find it tomorrow. Not, not checking my wallet. Not insecure. 
I don't sleep with one eye open like someone because doors are locked, protected. I, 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 don't, I eat on the floor or on the couch or whatever. And I don't care if the neighbors are watching. I'm not concerned. I'm protected. I, I'm, I'm, I'm safe. I'm secure. Many of you are fighting insecurity and fear and threats because you've taken valuable things and made them vulnerable because you've come out independently from the Word of God. You say, I'm not insecure. I'm fine. I'm in control. Yeah. Like stock market. Oh, elections. Obama. Oh, 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 Trump. Oh, oh, Bernie Sanders. Communism's coming. Oh, 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 coronavirus. Ah! And, and everything's insecurity because there's many things that are vulnerable that were valuable because you've taken them into your own control. Whether it's your finances or your job or your future or or your spouse, or who you're dating, or your purity, or your praise, or it's, it's things that are valuable to you, and when you have to control them, it becomes insecure because they're in your hand. And God's saying that, come on, if you want something restored back to you that you've lost, if you're insecure in an area, you're a child of God. We do not have a spirit of fear. We can run back to Dad. We can put whatever it is back in His hands. We can submit to His will, and God restores everything that we wasted. It says that He's out there living Wasting his sustenance, not his, not his money. Listen to me. His substance is drained. When you live out there long enough in an area, you lose your strength, your vitality, your joy, your emotions, your ability to feel the presence of God, your emotion and the power of God, your, your worship. You know when David lost the, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, he for 18 months, the Ark of the Covenant was at Obed-Edom's house. You know David, the songist, the psalmist, the, the writer, the singer, didn't write one song in those 18 months when he didn't have God's presence. Come on, when you're out there living independently and insecure, trying to figure it out, you don't, you, don't, you don't have that joy and that strength and that life and that energy. Enemy begins to suck it dry. This man finds himself in a pig pen, feeding on feeding pigs, attached to a master in the mud, serving the wrong thing. And the Bible tells us that he looks over and he's so hungry that he's ready to eat the pods that the pigs were willing to eat. But no one would give him any and he didn't eat. And he came to himself in that moment aren't you glad that God brought you to yourself and kept you from stuff you almost did come on how many of you almost did it and God said no 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 I'm gonna bring you to yourself come on I'm a son I'm a daughter there's times in my life when I almost went there God said don't forget who you are you're a son you're a king you're a God's kid come on home walk on back to God I'm here to remind you of who you are. Like, like you got to come to yourself and decide in your mind. Like, listen to me. You can make a decision. Come to you. Forget listening to the pig farmers. Quit listening to the pig farmers around you. Make a decision to have some self-talk. Self, this is who I am. I'm deciding today. I'm giving up insecurity. I'm giving up sexual immorality. I'm giving up stinginess and greediness. I'm giving up the addiction. I'm giving up the hatred. I'm giving up the anger. I'm giving up and I'm going back to God. He gets up out of the pig slop and begins to walk to his dad going home, rehearsing this big speech. Listen to me. Many of you, the Bible says when he was a far way off, a long way, still a son, going back to the house when he was a long way off, the father saw him. Many of you feel like you're so far away that you'll never make it back to God. Many of you feel a long way off. You feel like, man, you've done way too much and it's way too big of a mess. God sees you. If you're taking steps towards him, he's running towards you and sees you when you're a long way off. How do we know how long that journey was from that, from that pig pen to that home? Come on, there's journeys you've been on to get back to God and to receive some things back and to get some things restored. And it's not an easy journey, but God's openly embracing you and saying, you're welcome home. 
That boy shows up, still has stench on him, still has mud on him, still has a mess on him. Some of y'all still got a mess and mud, maybe from last night, maybe from last year. Maybe you can't shake it, but God's saying, I'm here to run to you. And we as a church are here to embrace you as well. Listen to me, that young man begins to rehearse this story in his mind and gets to the Father. And he's like, I got it. And he, listen, he changed. He got up out of the mud. The Holy Spirit, he came to himself and he gets out of the mud, begins to walk to God and begins to do this big speech of repentance and all this stuff. And God doesn't even listen to him. Ignores him. He's like, put a ring on his finger. Get the calf. Put a robe. Restore him back. My son's home. Let's have a party. Do you know, you know religion wants to make it harder and meaner and tougher? And, and, and here's what religion thinks, and, and this is what I want to say. We can embrace trouble without losing truth. Why is it that we think we, that we can't embrace trouble because we're going to erase truth? The father here, he embraces the trouble that this young man's in. The young man repented. The young man changed. The young man walked out of it. We've got to change. Come on. Holy Spirit's changing us. But hear me. Hear me. Whatever you're in today, if you'll begin to walk back to God, Joel says he's gracious. He's kind. He's not angry. He's loving. He's here to embrace you. And I want to end with this. Whatever it is that you lost, return to what you left to get back what you lost. God has a scandalous, easy, pain-free return policy. And whatever it is you left, if you want to get back what you lost, you've got to return to what you left. Because if you leave, you always lose. Whenever you walk, you always, if you leave your marriage, if you leave your, your, your job, if you leave your ministry, if whatever you leave, you lose. And if you want to get back what you lost, you've got to return to what you left. So if you lost wisdom, return to the fear of the Lord. If you lost joy, return to praise. Quit gossiping. Quit complaining. Quit murmuring. Decide, I'm going to put on the garment of praise because gratitude is the attitude of breakthrough. If you, if you lost purity, return to God's principles and His Word. Come on, just return. He's not judging. He's not making you make it hard. He's just saying, come back to me. I'm going to embrace you where you are. What did you lose? If you had some things that were valuable and now they're vulnerable because you put it in your own hand, in your own strength, get rid of insecurity by running back to the fathers. Jesus is saying, I'm here for you. I'm going to pray for you today. Would you stand to your feet? I, I, I just believe that God's return policy is scandalous. That's the point of the cross. I believe Jesus wants to embrace some of you today that are a far way off that think, man, I'm too far I'll never make it back. Come on, he's actually running out to you. You know in the story that the boy couldn't make it back to the house without the father. Do you know it's the father that brings you all the way back home? That the father met him out in the mess and then brought him on home. God's meeting some of you right now in the middle of your mess saying, I want to take you all the way. I want to get you to where I need you. And there's some things you lost and he wants to restore them today. And whatever it is you lost, come on, go back to what you left. I believe you can return to God. Hear me, maybe it is, maybe it's in your finances. Maybe you've lost uh, uh, faith in your finances and your money. Return to generosity and tithing. Maybe you have fear about your relationship. Return it to God. Put it back in his hands. I'm going to pray for some of these areas. Maybe you don't trust him uh, with your sexuality or being pure. Maybe you don't trust him with the job. Maybe you don't trust him with tomorrow. Maybe you don't trust him with the diagnosis or the coronavirus. And you and you're just got fear and insecurity. And you're checking the market and your wallet. And am I here? Am I okay? Am I safe? And, I, and 
God's just saying, shh, today, shh. I, I just want to restore. You don't have to be insecure and vulnerable. You've got value and just put it back in my hand. I want to pray for that. Some of you have put some things and you know you've got some independent living and you've gotten insecure in it and now you're grasping and trying to make your way and God's saying, I need you to give it back to me. I don't know what area that is. And then here's the second thing I want to do. Some of you need a fresh start with God today. You need, a, you, need, you need to come into the family of God for the first time. Hear me, what that means is this. Jesus Christ came to this planet, lived as a man, all man and all God, died on the cross not for you, died as you took all your sin, shame, mistakes, guilt, nailed it to a tree, lived perfectly without sin, put that up on a tree, died, rose from the dead to give you the life of God, to give you the joy of God, to give you the heart of God and the strength of God, to invite you into the house of God and the family of God so you could have a forever eternal relationship with God. That's, that's salvation. That's what that's called. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he gets a fresh start in God. Not hard, very easy. Listen to me. If you believe in your heart on Jesus Christ and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Not maybe, not what if, not do more. You shall be saved. And some of you are here today and you need a fresh start with God. You need to come into the family of God for the first time. I want to pray for that. Would you bow your heads with me real quick? Father, thank you so much for this day. Holy Spirit, thank you that you search and you find things we've wasted and lost. Jesus, thank you that you travel far and wide and use your resources to bring us back. Father, thank you that your arms are open to our mess, and that you're embracing us on the road back. Thank you that we're your sons and daughters today. If you're in this place and you say, I've gone independent, I've gone insecure, and I'm trying to be very vulnerable, and many things in my life are vulnerable, and they're valuable to me, and I don't want to be insecure in those areas any longer. Would you put your hand up to me right now? Pray for me. If you say, Jamie, pray for me. I've got insecurity in some areas. Hands across this place. Father, you see every hand. You know the things that we've carried on our own. You know, the, you know the areas we've said no. You know the areas that we've taken things of value and made them vulnerable because we've left you or left your house or left your heart. Lord, right now, I pray that we would return. And every hand that went up, Lord, wherever we left, we would return and get back what we lost. Right now, restore back what's lost. Restore back everything. Any insecurity that stole something, any vulnerability that stole something, God, we put it back in your hand. You're in charge. You're powerful. You're strong. You're doing your work on our behalf. We rest in you, God. We rest in you, Jesus. No one looking around for another second, not going to judge you or make you come forward or anything like that. But if you're here and you'd say, I want to be in the family of God. I need Jesus Christ. I'm ready to surrender. I, I need a fresh start with God. I need him to forgive my sins and my shame and guilt. I give him my life. I want him to be my Lord. You get a fresh start. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up on three. Would you just say yes to Jesus if you want to be in the family of God and receive his life for eternity? On three. One, two, three. Just put your hand up to me right now. I need a fresh start with God. Anybody? It all in your, I need a fresh start with Jesus Christ. Thank you, young man. Come on, thank you for your boldness. Come on, praise God. Anybody else? Hold it up high so I can see it and pray for you. Pray for me, Pastor. I want a fresh start with God today. Come on, right there in the middle of this place, someone's saying yes to Jesus forever, for eternity. Come on, church. We're going to pray together. If you put your hand up, pray these words with me or pray your own words. No magic in the words, but just surrender is the prayer. Surrender to Jesus. If you didn't put your hand up but need to right now, he's here ready to embrace you and give you his life. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for going to that cross and dying as me. 
taking all my mistakes and all my sin and all my shame and nailing it to that tree. I turn from all that. I believe that you rose from the dead. I receive your brand new life. I receive your power and your spirit. Thank you for making me brand new on the inside. Thank you for giving me eternity and making me a part of the family of God. I am your son. I am your daughter. And I will bring you praise and honor the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, I'm in the family. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise.